Feels like it's been a while. You and Emily recorded the last couple of episodes without me. So welcome back, besties and Casey. (laughs) And we have a guest today. Yes, yes. Special guest, Lisa Marie Robinson. We want to talk about all the things that people either love to talk about or hate to talk about, I guess. (laughs) Money. Hi, I'm Casey, and right here beside me is Kelsey. We are licensed professional counselors, mothers, entrepreneurs, oh, and besties. We know firsthand what it's like to wake up one day and think, how in the heck did I wind up here? Through our own journeys of self-discovery, we found that joy is something that has to be pursued through internal work. Now we are on a mission to help women from all walks of life understand themselves more so they can have real lasting joy. Join us every Thursday to hear fun and insightful interviews with experts who can point you toward self-discovery and fulfillment. Lisa Marie Robinson is best known as the sassy wealth coach with over 20 years of experience in accounting, helping women manage their money with confidence to feel empowered. After surviving a tumultuous childhood filled with addiction, theft, and violence, her mission is to help women break free from poverty, struggle, and pain. She teaches her clients how to take control of their finances and make mindful decisions that fuel growth and prosperity. When she started her business, she wanted to turn the financial pain and chaos she experienced into prosperity and purpose. She ditched the victim mentality, changed her story, and created the life she knew she deserved. Today, as a speaker, she shares her story and teaches others how they can create, retain, and expand wealth by shifting their relationship with money. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for for being a guest. It's just interesting. One, your background. So I'll let you share a little bit about that. But two, how the mindset that we have growing up, I see it so often, I'm sure you do too, carries into our adult life in terms of like businesses and how we run our business and how we feel guilty about profitability and and all of those things. And just the stigma that comes along with women and money and how those two are stigmatized in negative ways sometimes. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your history. Okay. Well, I'm Lisa Marie. I'm the owner and founder of the Sassy Wealth Coach. I am now known as the Sassy Wealth Queen. And my relationship with money wasn't always good. I grew up in a single family home, uh, just my mom. And I heard all these stories and things were told to me, you know, constantly. And then later on, kind of like what you're talking about, I didn't realize it, but it carried over into my adult life. When I started my business, I was barely making ends meet. I was on food stamps. I was let go from my job. And I made the decision that if I was barely going to make it, it was going to be on my terms. And I was going to be home with my girls. Both of them are special needs. So I was just, it's either going to work or it's not, but we're going to do it on my terms. It went from there. It just, it grew and it grew so fast the first year. It was then that I realized, okay, something's not working. Why am I still broke? Why do I not have the money? And there was a coach online and she made this post or comment or something. And it said, that if someone was treating you bad, would you stick around? And the answer is no. Well, then why would money? And I was like, I don't talk bad about money. <laughs> I don't do anything negatively. And, and I even said that in the comment. And she replied back and said, 
Well, do you thank the money when you spend it? Why the hell would I say thank you when I have to pay a bill? <laughs> Why? And she goes, my point. And I went, oh, huh. And from there, I just, you know how when you go do a search and you end up in this rabbit hole? Yeah. I ended up in a very deep rabbit hole. The more research I did, the more I found, the more I kept digging. And that was when I had these aha moments that money mindset and money management go hand in hand. And there's a reason why traditional budgeting doesn't work, which I like to call money roadmaps. Our money mindset affects how we look at, talk about our relationship with money. And it comes from those belief, money beliefs and those money beliefs come from our money stories and money stories come from our childhood. Yeah. yeah. And I went, okay, well, if it's a story, then that means we can change it. So then I started doing more digging and that's just how my business has evolved because then I was like, well, I can't be the only one that has these issues, right? Or have these beliefs or, you know, and like you said, then there's a stigma of a woman making money or making more money or making more money than men. You know, who do we think we are to want more, right? Especially if it's been in our family and our and the women in our family never did make that kind of money. And now we're doing it. There's that am I worthy story that comes up or scarcity mindset that comes up. And so I did a lot of work. And that's the reason why I built the money roadmap that I use to help my clients with, because I believe that when we work on our money mindset and we, if we have the money roadmap and we're able to actually see where our money is going and we're in control, that's very empowering. What are some of those things that when you went down the rabbit hole, like maybe themes or things that were showing up for you that you were like, oh, no, I have a problem? I'm not worthy of making money. I spend I, there was one that says I spend it faster than I receive it. And I went, hmm, <laughs> like I start seeing these patterns of times I would come into money and I was able to save and I was doing great. And then something would happen. The money would disappear. And then I was all of a sudden, quote unquote, broke again. It's like a hamster wheel and it was, you just kept going. I'm like, okay, why? Why is there always this ups and downs? And it went back to like when I was young, I was always told you work, you pay bills, you work, you pay bills, you work, you pay bills. There's never money for anything else. So who am I to want money for more? And literally that was all I was doing was working and paying bills yeah. up until that point, right? And you're going, crap, it's so subconscious that we don't even realize it. And I tell my clients all the time, when you go to dig into your money mindset and your money story, even if you are not honest with anyone else, you have to be honest with yourself. Because if you're not, then you're not going to be able to do the work in order to change it. So, you know, it'll ask, like, what's your first memory of money? And my first memory of money is I was always told it didn't grow on trees. We, did, we were always broke. We didn't have money, didn't have this. And I didn't... I. Didn't, I think it was like a year ago, one of my clients finally showed me a money tree. It's like, what? There is a plant that's called, it's called a money tree. Like I've been told all my life, money doesn't grow on trees. I said, but wait a minute, I don't see any money on there. She goes, but this is a money tree. It's to give good luck. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to get one of those and it's going to have to be in my office. But I, I was always so down on myself. Like who was I to think that I could have my business? Who did I think I was to, because it got to the point where I wanted to do more than just make ends meet. I wanted to actually thrive. And when that came in, all the scarcity of who do you think you are? And plus you had 
family members going, you need to go get a real job. You need to get a job that's secured. And I don't know how many people have heard that. I'm seven years in and I still hear it. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, no, I have a real job. And I promise you, this is more secured, even in the tough times, more secured than any corporate job I have ever had. And it just, I kept realizing, okay, you know what? I'm talking bad about money. I always, I'm always stressed every time I have to pay a bill. I have a problem. I don't like money. And it wasn't that I didn't like it. It was that I felt like it was bad because I'd never had it. So the first thing I did is I changed it. I started having gratitude. So every time I paid a bill, I said, thank you. Even if I couldn't pay all of them, because remember at first when I started my business, I was on food stamps. So even if I couldn't pay all of them, whatever bill I was able to pay in full, I said, thank you. Pump gas, say thank you. And I still do it to this day. That's incredible. I remember that point in my own personal journey where I had the money to pay bills or some of them, like you said. And I remember the feeling that I got when I could sit down and actually pay my bills. And that was like the most motivating and rewarding feeling that I had ever had at that point, because going from being afraid, you know, having stacks of bills that you were just, you're like, why open them? I mean, I can't do anything about it. <laughs> What's the point to being able to sit down and write out a check? Like that is so satisfying. And I'm, I'm like you, like, I'm thankful to be able to do that now. I think it would be really hard to, and we are conditioned. I mean, I, my childhood, I think you're conditioned. You you work, you pay bills, you work, you pay bills. That has to be really discouraging for a lot of people. I mean, like, what? where's the joy? Where's the fun? Where's the more? More to life than just well, paying bills and working. Right, right. And the problem is, or the issue is, is one of two things happens. You're either going to have someone who's so far in debt because they've decided, that, you know what, I'm going to buy whatever the hell I want. I don't care if I've got the money or not. Because they want to do the opposite of what they were conditioned or they have like we had where we have the scarcity of, okay, even if we've got money, is it going to disappear tomorrow? Is it going to be gone tomorrow? Can I really pay all the bills? Because we've been conditioned that that's all, you know, okay, I can't buy anything because I have to pay the bills and I don't know if it'll disappear tomorrow. And there has to come a time to where once you're able to realize that that's what's going on. Matter of fact, one of my clients who's a therapist, we were talking about it's cognitive therapy for your brain. We're literally retraining your brain to how it thinks about money and the money beliefs and rewriting that money story. Because what a lot of people don't realize at first is it's a story. We can turn the page and we can write it. We can write a new chapter. And like you were saying, I remember the first month I was able to pay all my bills and I didn't have to decide which one was going to have to be paid next month and I was going to have to pay two of them. And I danced. I remember I danced. I jumped up and down for joy because I was like, OMG. And it put me that much closer to being taken off of food stamps. And I remember when I was on food stamps, everybody says, once you get on, you never get off. Well, don't tell me never because pure grit and determination is going to happen. And, and in three years, I was off. But it's because I decided, right, that I was going to rewrite that story. That first year, I didn't know how it was going to happen. And then when I did all that digging and all that research, that's when it came. And I was like, okay, 
And here's the thing. We still have to work on that mindset. I'm seven years into my business and I still work on my mindset every day. I have a mindset coach. I work on the money mindset. And the reason is, is because every time we go to up level or buy a new house or build a new house or do something really big, a little gremlin over here will start talking in your ear. And it don't matter how much you've worked on your mindset. I don't know. Has anybody else heard? Have you heard that gremlin, Casey? I know I have. Yeah. Um, I get physically sick when we like buy a car or do anything. I'm like dying inside. And she, Casey's like, what are you freaking out about? And I'm like, it's just, you know, it's something that I have had to work on. And I still continue to have to work on that. Mm-hmm. Having these tools, right? Because when I go to up level in my business, I'll have the same feeling. Who the hell do you think you are for wanting to go more and to do more. And I have to remind myself, hey, you know what? We're safe. It's okay. We've got this. And then if it means I need to go on the treadmill because I'm not going outside, it's too cold. Or when it's warm, go for a walk, whatever it is to help release some of that energy, journal, whatever, because it's always going to pop up. Yeah. A couple of things that I remember facing was the mindset around time. And I grew up thinking, one, I associated time with money, and I always would hear people say, you know, time is money. So I I grew up interpreting that in different ways, depending on, you know, how old I was. But I associated a lot of time and a lot of hard work with that being the only way to actually make money. And especially when I started doing consulting, That was really tough for me because it wasn't a lot of time. And to me, it wasn't that hard of work. And so being paid well for that, it took a lot of me like talking myself through, okay, you're being paid not just for that 60 minutes that you sat on the computer. You're being paid for all of that experience that you've you've had over the years. You're mm-hmm. you're being paid more for your contribution rather than your time. Like what can that transformation be as a result of your 60-minute conversation? Not I'm sitting here for 60 minutes, I want to be paid for that. That was a big one for me. I'm gonna be honest, that's a big one still for me mm-hmm. because you know, one of the things my coach asked me, he said, he said, I'm going to ask you a question, Lisa. I said, what? He said, how much money can you save your clients if they were to work with you for a year? Like after that year, not mm-hmm. during that year, but after that year, mm-hmm. how much knowledge and power and money could they save changing their lives? And when I looked at it and I come up figure and he goes, and do you think your monthly rate should be as low as it is? And I'm like, well, shit, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, well, when you put it that way, it's your knowledge. Uh-huh. It's the knowledge you have. It's the expertise you have. It's all the, the things that you went through that you can now help your clients go through, but do it a whole lot quicker and a lot easier than what you did. And I have the same problem as I'm when I first did my one-on-one service, I was literally going down and saying, okay, they get this, they get this, they get this. Okay, I could try. And I'm, no. And so... Flipping that mindset around that part of the money, that's the most difficult for me. Well, and listening to you talk, I'm thinking people aren't really paying you for the hour. They're paying you for the outcome that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. They're looking for that outcome. Mm -hmm. And though, 
we have to learn how to acknowledge that part and be able to say that because you're going to come up against some people who have that mindset barrier and they're going to think you're charging that for 60 minutes and you have to come back and go, no, you're getting that you're getting it's the outcome you're going to get. It's the how I'm going to change your relationship with money, how I'm going to change your relationship for money, how you're going to have a CFO in your back pocket while you're working with me. The outcome you're going to get years past us working together, that's what you're paying for. And being able to flip that, I can say it a lot easier now than I was when I first started working with my coach because I was like, you want me to, what? <laughs> you know, and he's like, okay, look, you've worked on your mindset, on your money mindset. Now we need to work on this part. And I'm like, take that deep breath. It was almost as bad as like the first time, well, the first time you make a big investment, like you pay in full for, I don't know, whatever. Or the first time you hire someone, you know, and it's a hefty salary. Or like what you're saying, buy a vehicle. I mean, when I bought my Suburban that's outside a couple of years ago, I had to take a deep breath because it was the newest vehicle to me that I'd ever bought and the nicest vehicle I've ever had. It was like, OMG, I am doing this. I'm going to have this payment. OMG, I'm doing this, you know, but you you still did it, right? I think also I've gotten a lot better one at looking at money as investments and also really calculating the risk. And so it's not so much about the money part to me anymore, whereas it used to be about that bottom dollar. It's not so much about that. It's how quickly am I going to be able to get this back? Or if if it's not an investment, if it's like if I'm buying a vehicle, worst case scenario, if the world shuts down, nobody comes in for counseling, nobody comes in for coaching. What am I going to lose here? Oh, well, I'm going to sell it. And I might lose a couple thousand dollars. Whoop-de-doo. In my mind, I'm always looking at risk. We're getting ready to build a house. Yes, that scares the shit out of me. But I can sell it. So I tend to kind of go more like, how risky is this versus how much does this cost? And that was a big trend. Kelsey's like, how much is it? (laughs) I'm like, don't worry about it. You'll get it back in about a month. (laughs) I used to be more worried about, okay, the cost. Now I ask. But I'm asking from me having more knowledge is more power. So the more information I have, the more I can make a decision. And what I always tell clients to do is if it's a big purchase, sit on it for 24 hours. I'm not asking you to fret over it for three days. Just sit on it for 24 hours. Because if you still feel it in your gut that it's great and it's what you should do, because even if you're nervous about it, if it feels, you'll know, right? If it's in your gut that this is a good thing, you can be nervous as hell and it still be a good thing. If you still feel it's in your gut, then make the investment. The problem is, is a lot of people do it without thinking and without taking just time to look at the pros and cons, especially big purchases that they end up rushing into it and later they may regret it. And so I just tell them, just sit for 24 hours. You know, the coach I invested in that I have now, I told him when he wanted me to come in his mastermind, I said, I want to do this, but I'm going to wait 24 hours. And he said, okay, why? And I said, because I don't make this type of investment without waiting 24 hours. If you can't let me wait 24 hours, then I'm out. Mm -hmm. That wasn't from a scarcity. That was from, I'm waiting 24 hours to make sure I'm not making a rash decision. When we make decisions strategically, we can be sure that we're doing it from a place of, okay, this is good. 
a lot of people go, yes, but I can't do this and spend. Why not? Well, and like you said, it's all about strategy. And so if you don't have a strategy to get you there, then that's where you need to come up with one. That's the reason why I tell everybody, everybody should have a money roadmap. I don't call it budget anymore. I call it a money roadmap. And I have it because I can be strategic with it. I know where my money needs to go for the expenses. I know what I'm wanting to plan for. And okay, I can save for these things and I can have money to spend. You know, it's for my business and my personal. I do it the same way with both. And that's just so that if something happens, the vehicle all of a sudden needs four new tires, I have money for those. Again, it's that strategic and that planning. Not fretting over it, but having more, in my opinion, having more knowledge is power. And it's also empowering because we can then make decisions better for our business and for investments, building a house, those kind of things. I'm wanting to buy a house in the next, um, hopefully this year. So, you know, I'm being strategic with the things I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking to the knowledge is power, and you talked about how food stamps, like people always say, like once you're on them, you're never getting off of them. It's that really poverty mentality. And a lot of times people have been discouraged to even create space to gain the knowledge. And so I think that's the first place that people should probably start is just mm -hmm. open a book, listen to a podcast, do something that will get your mind going about your money mindset. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I'm starting my Cash and Sass podcast is because, I mean, Casey, you know me, I want money to, I don't want money to be taboo any longer. I want us to kick it to the curb. And that's the reason why I'm wanting to do it is because I'm wanting us to talk about it because I think the more we talk about it, the less taboo and the less stigma it's going to have. But you're right, because see, even when I had my oldest, I qualified for ABC vouchers and the same stigma. Once you have it, you're never going to not want it. You're always going to, you know, it's like you can't get off of it. Like, OK, but why not? Why do we not better? And part of the problem is our, is our society, our system. And the other part of the problem is our that scarcity, that lack mindset, especially when it comes to women. And that's partly because of society. And I'm just one that, you know what? No. If we want to change it, we can. And more women need to understand that it doesn't have to be that way. You know, because not everyone has that mentality like Casey or me. We're going to freaking change something and we're just going to, no, no. <laughs> I'm not accepting that this is the way it's supposed to be. No. And we do not everyone can come from that deep down, especially at first. And so my whole goal is to help women get to that point to where they can say, you know what? No, I can have more. I can save. I can spend as long as I know what's going on with my money. I mean, that's the key thing is, is you have to know what's going on with your money. A lot of people just don't know because they don't look. Yeah, I see that. And I see it across, I don't know, the country. Mm -hmm. But I also see it locally, too. I mean, do you, and this is just for Kelsey, and, and I'm just a little jaded. I can't help it with <laughs> local stuff. Like, it just, it just annoys me looking, you know, watching. I love our local chamber of commerce. It does a lot of great things. But I just feel like there, it is so underserved for women. You know, the ones that are getting all these big awards are men. The only women that I ever see being praised or just encouraged for being an entrepreneur, nothing is wrong with this because I basically have one over here over across the street is like 
boutique owners or, you know, something like that. Like that's the only kind of women led businesses that get any recognition. And I'm just thinking like there is more there. (laughs) Let me sit with any man that owns any business in this town and talk about money. And I can promise you, I know just as much, if not more than he Mm -hmm. does, but it's just not encouraged. The young entrepreneurs, it's never led by women. It's very unfortunate. And I will start whining and bitching about it. And then I'll get a fire lit under me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do something about this. Like, I'm going to participate and I'm just going to shove myself right on in this meeting here. But I do think it is a societal disservice that we're not giving women credit for doing other things than what they're stereotypically known for doing, like running a clothing shop or mm-hmm. something like that. Not that there's anything wrong yeah. with that, because I would love to have one. Right. Well, <laughs> the, see me too. I want one too. Yeah. Our Chamber of Commerce has the same issue. I, I tell people all the time I was part of it, and then I decided I didn't want to be a part of it because all it is is men and women in buttoned-up suits mm-hmm. <laughs> and ties. Yeah. And jackets and the men are the one who get acknowledgement. And then when I come in there with the sassy <laughs> hair and all, everybody's looking at me like I have like really, you know, and at first I was like, you know what, what you see is what you get. And I don't have a problem, but I'm like you, not enough women are getting the acknowledgement. Like when I tell them, when I told them, you know, I own my own business, it was like, and what I do, they looked at me like I grew horns. Like oh they gosh. had, they didn't understand. <laughs> I listen, I've had so many times where somebody will ask Casey what she does for a living and they literally question her. And then there's another man in the conversation and he's like, yeah, I do this, this and this. They don't even question. And there's them. no more questions. No, it drives me crazy. <laughs> I'm like. What? Is- I don't even respond anymore. Like someone will say, well, what do you do? And Kelsey will just start talking for me because I'm just like, you know, sometimes I, I'll just say I'm a therapist. I haven't done therapy since 2017. Or you don't sometime- tell anybody you're a therapist anymore. You tell people like Kelsey was talking about and it sounded like I was I got to a point. My best friend was like, Lisa, it sounded like you were defending yourself. I said, you know what? I said, because I'm always asked that. I said, but if there's a man standing there and he, they ask him what he does, he answers and there's no there's no questioning of it. I, so now I say it matter of factly, meaning in a discussion, don't ask me any more questions. I think if you want to know more, go to my website. <laughs> so oftentimes that is the, the, the situation at hand is that we feel like we have to go up and defend what we do. I mean, I'm I'm a therapist, but sometimes I feel like I have to defend what kind of therapy I do. And being a therapist should be enough. Just like you guys being business owners and entrepreneurs is enough. You know what else is funny? And I know I'm going on a little soapbox here, but I get really fired up. I like soapbox. That's okay. I like soapboxes. I get really fired up about, I'm so thankful. So in January 1, we technically opened a paint your own pottery studio and it's got gift shop in there. I love it. It's super cute. All the things. I was telling her, and I'm very thankful for this. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're local, don't get offended because I'm very thankful for all of the recognition. And like we've had, you know, the chamber has been great. They've come out and supported our opening. And like we've had all kinds of people in the community sharing this event or this business and all the great things, whatever. But I told her, I said, you know, I have had more recognition and more interest in this business 
that might, my goal is just to hit six figures. That That's it. Like, I mean, I'm realistic and I know what this kind of business can generate compared to my other ones than I ever have with my mental health practice that we've been in the multi-millions of dollar range with almost 100 employees or the consulting business, like, or your book or the book, like nothing compares to the type of acknowledgement that we've got from this pottery studio because I think to for people that makes sense like I'm a woman I can do pottery you know and sell gifts you know what I'm saying like it's just mind-blowing to me that they can really rally behind this but all of these other things um, you want me to tell you my opinion on it (laughs) yeah go for it let's hear it (laughs) you won't get me on my soapbox it's because it's a mental health practice. Yeah. Along with money being taboo, mental health is taboo. Sure. And as a mom of two special need kids with the oldest one having major depressive disorder, I can get on a soapbox over it because there's two things that should never be taboo and mental health needs to be really seriously on the top of the list. And you've made so many strides and changes in your community and across the world with the work that you do. And yet it's hard for people, at least in my opinion, to verbally acknowledge that out into the world because then they'll be speaking about something that's not supposed to be talked about. Because I grew up in the back country, Southern Baptist, okay? And there are several things that you didn't talk about out in front public. Sex, money, and mental health. You didn't talk about something being wrong with someone or someone having depression. That was, uh uh-uh. You know, they're going to have to acknowledge that people came to you for help and that. That makes them uncomfortable. Oh, totally see it. Because they don't don't know how to do it. Yeah. And I see it everywhere. I mean, even in today's age, you know, when I say my daughter has major depressive disorder, they're like, why are you telling people that? Really? Why is it a secret? Why does it have to be a secret? She has to play. It's, I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, because it's part of her. It's not a depression that something's happened. It's a depressive disorder. There's a difference. It's part of her. And I don't want her to be ashamed of it and feel like she can't, you know what I mean? That she's going to, because that's just going to make it worse. Just like she has generalized anxiety disorder. Why do we hide about that? It is what it is. It's part of her. It doesn't define her, but it is part of her. And I believe the more we talk about it, just like money, we can actually change more people's lives. But the reason why you're not getting, in my opinion, the reason why you haven't gotten the acknowledgement and you are in a pottery is because pottery is happy and go lucky (laughs) and it's gifts and mental health is saying, oh, you've made multiple second figures, but that means you've helped these people. We can't acknowledge that because then we're talking about yeah, or people, something that we want to act like that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Or people like, I, I can't get, I can't publicly support this because then people might think that I've been to therapy and that there's something wrong with me. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the same thing with money. I mean, people will be like, oh, if I hire a wealth coach and CFO, what is that going to say? I can't do it myself. Oh my gosh. You know, and I have a business. What's that going to, is that going to make people not come to me? That's what goes through their heads. I mean, it's the same thing. It, it literally, Money and mental health to me are right there in that same part of how they're treated. And they want to be pushed under the rug behind closed doors. Yeah. Avoidance, avoidance, avoidance. Yeah. 
if we don't acknowledge it, it doesn't exist. Maybe we should start so talking we... more about money, mental health, and sex on the podcast. Oh, can I come on again? Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. Sure. I, well, I just think I think it's funny. My daughter is nine. She goes to a local Christian school. It's like a private school. And she said, I want to give my teacher a gift card to the pottery place, but I'm afraid I'll get in trouble. And I said, well, why would you get in trouble? And she said, because... Some of the things over here, like the stickers and stuff, say the F word. And I was like, so? (laughs) She said, well, they won't like that. I said, well, they don't have to read it. And she's just like, okay. (laughs) Listen, we can't just try to not, we can't do everything to not offend people. You know, people are going to be offended regardless of how hard we try to make them happy and to not offend them. So. You know, we're just going to be ourselves. And if they don't like it, they don't have to well, that's, Yeah, that's what I decided. Yeah. I decided what you see is what you get. We as women, especially, and I know me, I did it for years, tried so hard not to offend someone that you end up losing who you are. Yeah. And I'm not willing to do that anymore. Yeah. So I piss people off a lot. <laughs> Because I talk about money. I talk about mental health. I talk about how they go together. I talk about how fitness and you taking care of yourself plays a part in your money. That's the reason why I created five wealth codes. And one of them is your body. And that's your mental health and your physical health. Because if you don't take care of those, those are going to affect your relationship with money because it's going to affect how you grow your business or how you don't grow your business. And I, I make a lot of people mad. I'm still going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What is that saying? What if what's in the way is the way? You know, if if that's what's in your way, then maybe that's really where you need to focus your attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I do is... think it's cool, though, that you started to po- have a pottery place. Um, I know. Random. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Oh, well, you'll have to check it out. It's called the hip. I'm wearing the shirt, actually. The hip kiln. Kelsey came into work one day and I was sitting at my computer and I was like, had I already bought the kiln at that point or was I going to? You are going to. Okay. I said, um, think I'm going to buy a kiln and start a pottery place over in the old hair salon. And I said, what do you think about that? And she was like, okay. By the time she walked back in my office, like two hours later, I had already, already done it. I'd registered the business. I had a name. I'd bought the kiln. I'd bought the inventory. Everything. It was done. She was like, okay. I went to work and came back and I was like, oh, so we really do have a whole business right here. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. It was. It went from an idea to okay, it's done. <laughs> Pretty much. That's well, how cool I work. Thing, the cool thing about this business, I think, and I talked about this in the last podcast, is that it's a lot of the things that bring Casey joy, and it's the opposite. I mean, the mental health practice. I mean, it's very draining. There's a lot of problems, and you're always fixing mm-hmm. everything. But pottery is pretty simple. Yeah, it's, and so it's, is propagating plants. She has a propagating station on the in there too. I love it. Like you can actually just focus on selling stuff and not have to focus on all of the systems and all of the mm-hmm. employees, and you know, it's just a lot easier. So yeah, I love it. I think it's awesome. <laughs> thank you. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for being on, and thank um, you. I think this is a topic that so many women need to hear about and want to hear about whether they want to admit it or not. 
Yeah, besties, maybe take a look at your money mindset and just start digging around. And yeah, like Lisa said, knowledge is power. Yep. All of her information will be in the show notes. And Lisa, how can they get a hold of you? They can go to my website, thesassywealthcoach.com, or they can message me on Facebook, The Sassy Wealth Coach. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Later, besties. Later. If you're enjoying our podcast and would like to hear more from us, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast so we can keep making great content. Talk to you later, besties.